Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Previously On, a podcast series created to help you through some of the most complex yet brilliant television ever made. Big Little Lies, Season 1, Episode 1. Somebody's dead. Welcome to Monterey, California, where we begin this story at a school fundraiser drenched in shock and illuminated by the telltale blue and red of police lights. Somebody's dead, suspected murdered. Two detectives, one male, one female, discuss the situation. Costume night, one victim, plenty of witnesses, even more confusion. They walk over to the body and say just three more words. Oh my God. We move forward briefly in time. This is a series that really enjoys jumping back and forth, by the way. As guests of the fundraiser are brought in for questioning. The story of that night and everything that went before slowly begins to fall into place based upon their testimonies. The first snippets of those testimony blur by in sound bites and talking heads until a grey-haired man states that everything goes back to an incident on Orientation Day, which is basically the first day of school for kids in America. We're in a car with Madeline McKenzie, Reese Witherspoon, as she drives her music-loving daughter Chloe to school for the occasion. During a pep talk, she narrowly avoids hitting another car and notices the other driver was texting. Furious, Madeline goes to unleash all hell, but then finds her eldest daughter, Abigail, as a passenger in this other car. Her demands for Abigail to get out are ignored, and as she heads back to her own car, defeated, she goes over on her ankle and falls. Nearby, another mother on the school run, Jane Chapman, Shailene Woodley, gets out to help. The two immediately hit it off, and Jane offers Madeline and Chloe a ride to school with her and her son, Ziggy. Jumping forward, we cut to one of the detectives from the aftermath of the fundraiser hosting a press conference, informing us the victim suffered a broken pelvis and a fractured skull. Back to orientation day, where loved-up couple Perry, Alexander Skarsgård, and Celeste Wright, Nicole Kidman, are rounding up their twin boys for school as Perry prepares for one of his frequent business trips. At the school, Madeline introduces her new friend Jane, who's also new to the town, to a host of other mums, dads and general school-dwelling folk, including Celeste, who we met a moment ago, Renata Klein, a business high-flyer played by Laura Dern, and her daughter Amabella, and finally Madeline's ex-husband Nathan Carlson and his new partner Bonnie, Zoe Kravitz. There's a hint of tension between Madeline and Nathan over which of them is having their daughter Chloe that weekend. Madeline, Jane and Celeste hit the Harbour coffee shop where they're served by Tom, who seems to take an immediate shine to Jane. Jane's quizzed on her past life, informing the rest of the mums she moved there from Santa Cruz and that Ziggy's dad has never been in the picture. As the women bond, they're watched from the shadows by a man. We cut to Jane running. As she runs, we see flashes of her in a blue dress following a man's footprints along a deserted beach. It's a flashback. Following a yoga class run by Bonnie, her husband Nathan talks to her about his problems with ex-wife Madeline and her hostility towards him. At the end of orientation day, as the parents pick up their children, Madeline hears that a play she's had a hand in putting together is facing a petition to stop it being performed due to inappropriate puppet sex. Yeah, that's a puppet sex, a bit like Avenue Q. Before anyone can leave, they're stopped by the teacher, who states that Renata's daughter, Amabella, has been hurt by another child and that she would like the child in question to own up. When no one steps forward, Amabella is asked to point out who hurt her. She picks out Ziggy, Jane's son. 
Ziggy denies this. Cue the eruption of instant friction between Renata, Jane and Madeline, who's sticking up for Jane. At dinner that evening, Madeline and her other daughter, Abigail, argue over the Ziggy incident, resulting in Madeline storming out. Her husband, Ed, follows her and hears that she's worried that Abigail prefers her new stepmother, Bonnie, to her, saying that she feels like Nathan got the good end of their divorce and won. Offended at this, Ed says they will have a fight about this, but not tonight. On the balcony of her home, Renata, mother of Amabella, the girl who was supposedly hurt at school, complains to her husband, Gordon, about how she's held in utter contempt by the other mums. Jane flashes back to walking into a bathroom in the same blue dress, one strap hanging from her shoulder. Madeline and elder daughter Abigail are still bumping heads. They've moved on to the importance of college and how her daughter's grades have slipped. Abigail argues that college isn't that important, and despite an impressive plea from her mother on independence and being a strong woman, Abigail's still unmoved, and Madeline leaves the room. Perry returns from his business trip and is enjoying a family evening with Celeste and the twins. After hearing about the Amabella incident, Perry states that he doesn't want his boys playing with Ziggy. Celeste laughs it off, but Perry is deadly serious. As she stands to leave, he grabs her arm and spins her around to him. Celeste demands he takes his hands off her and pushes him in the chest before walking away. As Madeline plays the piano, she and Abigail share a warmer moment. Abigail tells her that stepmom Bonnie is her friend, but that she will always be Madeline's daughter. We close with a montage. The detectives watch each testimony from behind mirrored glass. Jane places her gun under her pillow as she gets into bed. Madeline and Ed hug. Celeste is teary on her pillow. And on an unnamed deserted beach, a man's shoe print lingers in the sand. Curious. We're in a hotel room. A man in a suit pops the cork on a bottle. Jane is in a blue dress walking along the same lonely beach. We see a shot of sex. The man's shoes as he leaves, and Jane looking out to the ocean. In Jane's home, Ziggy complains he doesn't want to go to school following the previous day's accusation of violence. Jane tells him he's got to, and a frustrated Ziggy questions why they even moved to Monterey in the first place. Brushing off the question, Jane takes him to the car. We briefly see a man giving testimony, asking the question, is Jane running away from something? Celeste and Perry drive their twins to school. As they drive, Celeste suggests that when Perry returns from his latest business trip, they could see a counsellor. He agrees, saying it's a really good idea. When they arrive at school, Perry's expecting to meet the teacher, but Celeste has to explain that that took place yesterday. He's upset at this and his tone takes a change for the worse, suggesting that Celeste could have at least told him. Later, Madeline and Celeste go to a yoga class together. Whilst there, Madeline gets angry when she sees her ex-husband Nathan there with new wife Bonnie. They meet briefly afterwards, where high tensions are struggling to be hidden behind gritted teeth. In school, the children are tasked with making a family tree and then all get introduced to the class-stuffed animal, Harry the Hippo, who each kid gets to take home for a sleepover. When Celeste returns home, she finds a short-tempered Nathan already packing to leave for his trip. They argue about the school run, with Nathan suggesting Celeste didn't want him there for orientation day. She calls him a joke and Nathan slaps her across the face. <gasps> Celeste responds by striking him back and he pushes her hard into a wardrobe door. With Celeste hurt, Nathan begins to apologise, dropping to his knees, saying sorry over and over. He blames the stress of work and kisses her stomach through her shirt, holding her arms as she tries to push him away. Standing, he holds Celeste as she struggles. No. He kisses her, she kisses him back and the rage takes a strange new turn and they have rough sex against the wall before Celeste walks away, leaving a breathless Nathan behind her. Madeline and Jane pick up their kids, Chloe and Ziggy, from school, and it surfaces that Ziggy was the only kid in the class who didn't get an invite to Amabella's birthday party, the girl who accused him of choking her. Back at home, Madeline's on the warpath about this. Her husband, Ned, suggests that Amabella's mum might have a point if she thinks Ziggy's a threat to her daughter. Madeline tells Chloe she has a play date with Ziggy soon, and Ed asks if that's a good idea if Ziggy's innocence is in question. Abigail joins the family for dinner and tensions reach a new high when the young, attractive second wife Bonnie is mentioned, causing Madeline to storm out again. Ed follows her and she vents about ex-husband Nathan. Ed says now might be the time for that big fight he promised. He asks her if Nathan is the one for her, saying that she is his one, but that it doesn't seem reciprocal. She asks if he's out of his mind, but Ed tells her he's not allowed to be out of his mind. He's Mr. Steady Eddie. He passionately suggests that she is not satisfied with her life with him. Later, as Madeline and Celeste enjoy a drink and a chat, 
Celeste asks if it's possible Madeline was a little more passionate in the bedroom with Nathan than she is with new husband Ned, suggesting maybe a counsellor might help. Madeline dismisses the idea and says surely her and Perry also fight, at which point Celeste reveals that yep, they do, and it's normally followed by sex, adding that she suspects he starts a fight because of this. Madeline, tactful as ever, says that that sounds a little twisted. They're interrupted by Renata, who pops over to discuss a closing vet's hospital, but Madeline quickly shifts the topic to Ziggy's lack of party invite. She tells Renata that if Ziggy isn't going, then Chloe won't be going either, and that if Chloe is out, then half the class are too. Renata warns her not to mess with her daughter's birthday, and the pair trade insults as Madeline declares that the war is on. Back at home, Ed says he can't keep track of the fights that Madeline starts. We all know Madeline, right? The next morning, Jane tells Madeline that she's worried the party situation is only going to make matters worse for Ziggy. Mid-conversation, Madeline notices some birth control pills falling out of Abigail's bag. They have to have a frank discussion, and Abigail tells her that Bonnie took her to Planned Parenthood, but that she's not actually sexually active. Madeline confronts Bonnie at the school, telling her that if it was the other way round, she would have spoken to her first. Nathan and Ed meet in the park to discuss the situation between their wives. Nathan asks Ed to speak to Madeline, believing that she's out of line being this mean to Bonnie. Ed, however, tells him Madeline's being nice to Bonnie, considering the circumstances that he was never there for Maddie, but is always on board for Bonnie. Nathan mocks him about being a modern work-from-home man, and the two square up to each other but leave any action for another time. Hearing that the mayor has cancelled funding for the play, Madeline decides it must be Renata pulling the strings and plots revenge. When she learns Disney on Ice is taking place at the same time as the birthday party, she invites everyone to that instead. Jane receives a call to come into school. Ziggy and Amabella kissed, orchestrated by Chloe, in a bid to see them make friends. Things get tense once again in the head's office as the parents are told of the incident and Jane breaks down in tears outside at a loss of what to do. That night, Perry skypes Celeste and asks her to undress for him. Initially reluctant, he manages to persuade her. Ziggy tells his mum he saw her crying. He also tells her he heard another mum say he was a monster. She reassures him that he's not. Back in the kitchen, though, she furiously slams a kitchen knife into a chopping board. Abigail agrees to talk to Madeline before she decides to have sex. Madeline tells Ed that he is her only one. At home on her bed, Celeste skypes Perry and performs steamy online sex for him. Jane is standing upon a cliffside looking out to sea. We flash back to herself in the water, then on the sand in the blue dress. As the scene replays in her head, we hear the muffled sound of a child calling. She snaps back to reality and Ziggy tells her they should go home for dinner. There's disappointment in Renata's home when she breaks the news to Amabella that Chloe won't be attending a birthday party. Amabella's concerned that if Chloe doesn't attend, then everybody else might not too. Renata says that despite the absentees, it's going to be the best party ever, and her husband Gordon walks in and says the same thing. However, when the daughter leaves the room, Renata says she thinks it was a mistake not to invite Ziggy, before quickly shifting to rage over Madeline's interference and telling Gordon she's going to kill her. <laughs> that evening, Perry learns that Celeste and the boys are going to Disney on ice rather than the party, and becomes upset that he won't be spending the day with them. He asks why it wasn't discussed, and as things escalate, he grabs her by the throat. When he releases a tearful shake in Celeste, she tells him she'll leave him if he touches her again. At home, Madeline and Chloe are working on the family tree assignment together. Abigail teases her little sister that if she doesn't do well, she won't get into Stanford. Renata calls, telling Madeline that it was wrong not to invite Ziggy, and it would be great to have him, and Chloe of course, at the party after all. However, Madeline tells her they're all off to Disney on ice and won't be back in time for the party. Renata tries to sweeten the deal, including a sleepover and an all-expenses-paid trip to Disneyland and the less. It's not a jelly and ice cream affair. Madeline, however, sticks to her guns and knocks back the offer, causing Renata to declare she is dead in the town along with her puppet show. The next morning, the party bus to Disney on Ice is mobilised. Madeline, Jane, Celeste and a couple of other mums sip champagne as Madeline tries incredibly hard to make sure the trip outdoes the birthday party. Despite the noticeably absent kids, Amabella's celebration is a huge success. Bonnie's provocative dancing at the party doesn't go unnoticed by the dad's present, <sighs> older mums, but the day is a hit regardless, and to ice the cake further, Renata hands out lavish frozen gift bags to the kids that attended. 
Abigail asks Ed what happened between him and her dad. Ed tells her it was Nathan that was aggressive and it was unlikely Madeline and Bonnie are ever going to become friends. As Jane returns home, Ziggy realises he's lost Harry the hippo somewhere along the way. Losing her temper, Jane swears in exasperation as Ziggy, Chloe and Madeline watch. At school, a teacher asks Abigail for a word in private. An animated Madeline visits Joseph, the director of the play, believing Renata has thrown a spanner into the works regarding the performance being shown, but thinks that if they can get a meeting with the mayor and bring some legal backup in the shape of Celeste, they might be able to turn things round. She tells Joseph he's too good to let this go. The fire in her belly is extinguished, however, when she receives a call from Abigail's school requesting a meeting. At the school, Madeline's told that Abigail's GPA, her kind of stats, has taken a huge nosedive and Abigail's said that she's under stress at home. When questioned, Abigail tells her mother that she feels under immense pressure to get into Stanford and achieve the things that Madeline failed to. She then drops the bombshell that she wants to live with her dad for a while. Back at home, Ed and Madeline both take the blame for Abigail moving out. Ed reassures her she's not going to lose her daughter and has raised an extraordinary person just like herself. Perry approaches Celeste as she showers and presents her with a nice necklace. He tells her he's going to do better and then performs oral sex. Yeah. Not quite sure that's what he meant, but she'll take it. Renata visits her husband Gordon at work and suggests Amabella go to therapy. Gordon points out that she's only six, suggesting perhaps Renata is overthinking it. She asks him if she's now tragically unfun, becoming someone she swore she never would. She ponders lost spontaneity, prompting Gordon to suggest they have sex right there, right now, in his office. Renata says people all hear, <gasps> reminding him he knows how she gets. He suggests the bathroom, so they go and have loud, spontaneous, everyone-can-hear-them sex. Yes. Celeste and Perry visit the counsellor. When pressed, Celeste opens up about the emotional and verbal abuse within their relationship, but adds they love each other very much and there's no physical abuse. Perry tells the counsellor they often have sex after a fight, but it's a mix of passion and rage, and sometimes a line does get crossed. Perry thinks he might get like that because he's afraid of losing Celeste. When asked, Celeste tells the counsellor she fights back when it gets physical, but that she feels ashamed afterwards, like it's a dirty secret. And they drive home from the counselling session in total silence. Jane's taken Ziggy to baseball practice to see if he enjoys it, and he hits a home run. Delighted, she suggests a celebration pizza, but Ziggy reminds her they've got to make his family tree for school, a task a suddenly panicked Jane had thought was due the week after. Madeline comes to the rescue with all the bits and pieces that go into a family tree, and as they begin, Madeline mistakenly mentions mum and dad. This sets Ziggy off asking questions about his dad's name. When Jane refuses to be drawn, Ziggy blows his top, kicking over a chair as he's sent to his room. We see a terrified Jane lying face down on a bed. Behind her, a man puts on his shoes. There are shoe prints along the beach once more, and Jane runs, following the trail until it suddenly stops, and she looks down in shock. Madeline asks her if she's ever tried to track Ziggy's father down. Jane replies that she said his name was Saxon Binks. What a name. They met in a bar, he was funny and sexy, and they were both a bit tipsy. They booked a hotel room, but as soon as they were inside, he changed. He became aggressive and raped her. She says she resisted but stopped for fear of being killed, and then when he finished, he just said goodbye and left. After Madeline leaves, she pulls over a car suddenly and weeps for Jane. Back home, Renata breaks the news to Gordon that the school fundraiser is an Elvis and Audrey Hepburn night. She then thanks him for the shag in his office, saying it's nice to be desired. Jane drifts off into a dreamlike state later that night. She hears someone hammering on her door. The glass begins to shatter and as an intruder climbs in through a window, she pulls out a gun and shoots him in the head before snapping out of it back to the reality of her peaceful home. We return to testimonies. The first tells detectives we still don't know the truth about Jane. The second suggests Madeline is a little ball of rage with anger issues. Then Renata's compared to a praying mantis that'll bite your head off. And Bonnie is the sweetest thing. Yeah, right. Finally, we hear that people resent Celeste for her success in life. We close with Celeste telling Perry she's sad because he doubts her love for him, but that she's happy because she finally has hope for them. Perry pops on some Neil Young and the pair dance in the kitchen. We begin with Madeline driving along a coastal road, thinking back to the moment her daughter Abigail left to go and live with her father. 
She's on her way to meet her ex, Nathan. Brace yourselves to discuss how things are going since it happened. Almost immediately, the pair bump heads about tutors and sat scores before Nathan says the reason he wanted to see her was actually to invite her and Ed over for dinner. Again, brace yourselves. Madeline sees straight through this, saying that this is Bonnie, his new wife's idea. Nathan strikes back, admitting, yep, she's right, and he actually thinks the idea of dinner together is a terrible one. It's a tad more colourful with his language, though. He then points out the times he did crazy things just to keep Madeline happy, and how he's now having to do the same for Bonnie. In a phone call, Madeline and Celeste talk about meeting the mayor regarding the play. If you remember, there's a petition to stop it due to puppet sex. Perry overhears and asks Celeste if she's thinking of starting to work again, but she tells him she's just helping a friend out. His short fuse is sparked once again, and he aggressively asks why there was no conversation about this, prompting Celeste to suggest isn't there long enough to have any conversation, and is he going to hit her now? He replies asking him if she wants him to hit her, and walks away. When Madeline arrives home, the place is in darkness. Suddenly, the lights are hit and Ed, dressed as Elvis, delivers some rather impressive karaoke moves in preparation for the fundraiser. Yeah! Madeline tells Ed about the dinner date with Nathan and Bonnie, not hiding that she's furious about the prospect. Chloe enters and tells Ed he needs to pick a song no one else will sing and pops a deeper Elvis cut on and the pair sing it together as Madeline laughs, wondering if she's dreaming. Jane is imagining herself running along a clifftop. She suddenly sprints towards the edge before stopping mere inches from it. Back in the real world, she jumps when Ziggy enters her bedroom. As she takes him back to bed, he tells her he doesn't have to find his father as they're fine just as they are. As he prepares for bed, Nathan finds Celeste's freshly dry clean suit hanging ready for the next day's meeting. He tells her he's concerned about her stress levels, highlighting that she couldn't get pregnant while she was working last time, which surprises her as she's not even trying to. As they lie in bed together a short time later, Nathan tells her he does want another baby, a daughter. He climbs on top of Celeste, but she says she's got to work tomorrow. He obliges and rolls off to go to sleep, but she climbs onto him for a quickie anyway. The next day, Madeline and Jane are chatting at the coffee shop. Jane tells her that since she opened up about what happened to her with Ziggy's dad, she's found her body wanting to wake up and is starting to notice men again. She also tells Madeline she's thinking of moving back home as Ziggy's struggling, an idea that's met with utter dismay. Ed turns up at a yoga class run by Bonnie. He wants to talk about the upcoming dinner between them and their respectives, in particular ensuring the two of them can play peacemakers during the get-together, if, probably when, things get heated. In school, Amabella's teacher notices she's looking deeply unhappy and that the cause of her misery seems to be focused on Ziggy. When questioned, she insists her and Ziggy are friends, leading the teacher to ask if a different classmate is hurting her. Madeline and Celeste arrive for their meeting with the mayor to discuss the play. As they walk in, Madeline says she thinks she may have found Jane's attacker, but is cut short as they're joined by Joseph, who still has doubts about the sense of meeting the mayor, worried that it may throw the whole future of the theatre into jeopardy. The mayor, an instantly dislikable man, insists he doesn't want to play in his town that has puppets having sex. Renata, also present and against the play, suggests the sound of music instead. Celeste, however, puts them both straight, pointing out that in legal terms they've already lost, thanks to the California Constitution, and highlights that being seen as anti-American and anti-free speech is not a good look for them. Yay! Celebrating their win, Madeline praises the brilliance of her friend, but Celeste begins to cry after becoming overwhelmed at the joy she felt at being back at work after spending years as a stay-at-home mum. <laughs> She tells Madeline that motherhood isn't enough for her and that she feels ashamed in saying it. Madeline echoes her thoughts entirely and the two share a joyous moment. Fists are pumped and the car horn is blasted. Jane meets Ziggy's teacher away from school. She's told there are suspicions Amabella is still being bullied and that Ziggy is the main culprit. The teacher adds that there's no actual evidence and Amabella insists her and Ziggy are friends but that she sensed some tension between them that morning. Jane begins to get angered at the situation and asks the teacher not to go to Amabella's parents with this as it'll only make matters worse. Jane's handed a curious business card by Ziggy's teacher. Back at the theatre, Madeline and Joseph celebrate that the show will go on. Joseph then kisses Madeline. Later at the coffee shop, Madeline recounts the tale to Celeste. She admits she kissed him back and that things got a little out of hand. Joseph says he's in love with her so she slapped him and then kissed him again before leaving. Perry walks over and plays the doting husband after hearing how impressive Celeste was in the meeting. Jane and Ziggy enjoy some quality time together. An aquarium visit is followed by a beach trip and a picnic. Ziggy, a smart kid, twigs that something's going on and is told that he's going to see a child psychologist. 
Well, that's what the business card was for. At their home, Bonnie tells Nathan that Ed came to see her at yoga. Nathan's beef with Ed resurfaces, and he asks if Ed did anything that might give him a reason to punch him. Abigail leaves the house with some hidden alcohol. Nathan calls after her, but Bonnie tells him to relax. He suggests moving away, but Bonnie gives him multiple reasons why that's a terrible idea. Madeline asks Ed about going to see Bonnie. Small town secrets don't stay hidden long here, folks. He explains he talked about the dinner and that he was trying to avoid animosity. He asks if Madeline's okay, but she says she feels like she's losing control but doesn't know how. Celeste is lost in her iPad and adjoined at home. The next morning, Celeste tells Perry she's got a meeting with the attorney about the play situation. Perry says she lied to him and he doesn't want her doing it. Celeste tells him it's not his decision and he grabs her by the back of the neck. Before things escalate, they're interrupted by one of the twins and they quickly act as if nothing's happened. <coughs> at the child psychologist meeting, Jane's told that Ziggy is a lovely, smart little boy who she does not see as a bully. He is an empathetic and sympathetic child. The psychologist says he does have anxiety, though, and mentions that he brought up his father, although he thinks his dad might be Darth Vader. Jane laughs at this but explains that it's a very complicated situation and that his dad is not a good guy. He might be Darth Vader. Joseph confronts Madeline in a car park to apologise for his snog the other day. It surfaces that the pair had previously had an affair. Madeline says it's over and they agreed not to speak of it, but Joseph says he doesn't agree anymore and kisses her again. Celeste goes alone to the counsellor. She's seeking tools to communicate with Perry when things go bad, but the counsellor suggests she should be asking herself why she's afraid to talk to him. Madeline shows Jane a picture of the man she found on the internet that fits the description of the man who raped her. Jane gazes at the image, lost in thought. We see the hotel room and brief flashes of the night in question. She thinks it might be him, but she needs to hear his voice to be sure. We close with a montage of Jane. She runs on the beach, shoots at the range, flashbacks to the night, and finally, as she paces her living room, she stops, crouches low and cries. We then return to her sprinting towards the cliffside from her earlier dream, only this time, she goes straight over the edge. We begin with Madeline pulling her car over above a clifftop after seeing someone moving nearby. As she gets out and looks, she's suddenly startled by Renata holding a puppet and falls from the cliff. She wakes up with a start at home in bed. Nathan and Jane cross paths at the shooting range. She's a bloody good shot. Later at the coffee shop, she tells Madeline she saw him there and also that she likes to keep her own eye in with a monthly visit. Madeline raises a slight concern that her friend is contemplating a road trip to find her attacker and is enjoying some target practice beforehand. Jane says this isn't the case, she's not planning on shooting the man, it's purely stress relief, calm down. As Renata prepares Amabella for school, she's horrified when she finds a bite on her daughter's shoulder. At the theatre, Madeline's told by a frosty Joseph, who she rebuffed the other day, that the mayor has given the okay for the play to go on. Renata is at home, utterly engulfed in upset and rage that someone has bitten her daughter. She tells her that you can never let a bully win, and she has to tell her who the bully is. The karma Gordon tells his daughter that whoever's hurting her may also be doing the same to someone else, and it wouldn't be right to let another innocent person get hurt too. Mm. As Celeste returns home, she's surprised to meet Perry there. He tells her he cut his tennis game short. They share a knowing look and head inside. Another bout of wild sex ensues, this time on the kitchen top. I hope they wiped it down. After they've finished, Perry notices all the bruises that pepper Celeste's body and holds her. Madeline calls, but Celeste lets it ring, texting her that she's having sex or can't talk. Madeline doesn't believe her, then looks at Ed and smiles. Ed breaks the mood by telling her not to use the downstairs loo for a while. Nice one, Ed. Gordon and Renata discuss what they should do about Amabella. Renata thinks Gordon should be a bit more upset. He highlights just how he really feels when he lets his anger and frustration spill out on Amabella, not telling them the culprit's name. The couple argue angrily, Renata accusing him of not listening earlier, and Gordon storms off. Madeline tries to have spontaneous sex with Ed in the kitchen. Smell must have died down, but he barely gets his belt open before Chloe walks in. The pair decide to reconvene in the bedroom, but as Madeline walks past her open Facebook wall, she sees something from Abigail that concerns her. Phoning Nathan, she asks if he knows anything about a secret project she's working on. Nathan denies any knowledge and asks why she's on her daughter's page before hanging up. Ed tells her he doesn't know where her head's been at the last few days. Madeline says it's all to do with Jane and her past, how she's possibly found a rapist and that Jane seems intent on meeting him to find out. 
Ed declares that it's a terrible idea and they should tell the police, but Madeline answers that she won't let Jane go alone. Jane's out for a run and receives a call from the school telling her that there's another problem. After the call, Jane yells and throws her phone from the cliffs. In a case of instant regret, she retrieves it from the beach, turns her tunes back on and runs. She's joined by Madeline and Celeste. Later at the coffee shop over lunch, they discuss the bite on Amabella. Jane says the teacher doesn't think Ziggy bit Amabella, but she still has to go and see the principal the next day. They begin to discuss the trip to meet Jane's suspected attacker as Joseph walks in and asks to speak to Madeline. They take a drive in Joseph's car. He talks about how he needs to know where he stands. Madeline says she cheated on her husband. Joseph reacts by reminding her he cheated on his wife. He tells her he knows she has feelings for him and accuses her of instigating things again by returning to the theatre, coming into his office and sitting on his desk, suggesting she's playing him. When he says it's not over, Madeline asks him to take her back to the coffee shop. As they drive, another car is sideswiped and smashes into them. The crash is heard by Jane and Celeste. At the scene, Madeline's unhurt, but Joseph has some serious injuries and is whisked away in an ambulance. Ed races to the hospital to see his wife, relieved to see her in fine health and giving the doctor an earful. Joseph's wife, Tori, is talking to a doctor. He's badly hurt, but he's stable and he's going to be okay. Jane's at home with Ziggy. He sees a picture of the man who might be his dad and asks about him. Jane lies and says it's just an interior decorator who might do some work for them. That night, Ed asks Madeline why she was in the car with Joseph. She fumbles through an excuse about needing to see him for theatre business, and Ed appears to buy it. Jane allows Ziggy to share her bed that night. She drifts off thinking about the situation with Amabella. As Ziggy breathes heavily in his sleep, she pulls her gun from underneath the pillow and sits bolt upright before realising it's just her son. Shaken, she apologises to her sleeping child and lies back down. Perry is on the warpath. He complains about the toys littering the floor. Celeste tells him to pick them up. In brooding silence, he begins to gather them. Celeste tries to make peace by telling him she'll do it later. We cut to the coffee shop. Celeste listens to music and stares out of the window, nursing a fresh bruise on her elbow. In the principal's office, Jane is asked about Ziggy's past and home life for anything that might be relevant. Ziggy's father's brought up and the fact that he isn't around... Jane replies that all she knows about Ziggy's father is that he likes erotic asphyxiation and raping women. At lunch, Madeline asks her if she really said that. Jane says no, but she wanted to. She then adds that during the meeting, Renata and Gordon showed up. Renata went immediately onto the attack and asked Jane to make her son stop abusing her daughter. The meeting gets resolved with an agreement that a teacher's aide will watch the kids. Celeste's in her car covering bruises with makeup. Her phone goes and she leaves it. Madeline leaves a message worrying that Jane is out for revenge on her trip. At the hospital, Madeline meets Joseph. She tells him it was never just sex between them, but that she's terrified the affair they had will get out and ruin her family. He says she should probably leave the play. Joseph's wife, Tori, walks in, and Madeline quickly makes her excuses and leaves. <coughs> Celeste is alone again at the counselling session. When asked why she wanted to come in today, we see a flashback to Perry tipping the box of toys over her head. She throws some back at him, and he beats her before they make love. The counsellor asks if sex with Perry is ever violent, then asks if she's ever bruised afterwards. Celeste says she doesn't remember. The counsellor digs further, asking if she ever gets bruises from something other than sex. Celeste says that she hits him too in an effort to make it appear mutual. But as the counsellor pushes, Celeste says she thinks the conversation's unethical and is uncomfortable. The counsellor says she can pick up on these things and can see that he hurts her. Celeste still tries to find excuses for the behaviour, saying Perry is being demonised. Jane calls Madeline and asks her to pick Ziggy up from school as she has extra work. In reality, she's going it alone on the road trip. Back in counselling, Celeste is struggling. She eventually admits to sometimes being afraid she might die. We cut to a scene of Perry holding her face into a cushion as she struggles for air. Tearful, she talks about how Perry has been there at her side throughout so much pain, including four miscarriages and the twins being born early, and how the idea of breaking away is too much for her. She insists the boys are unaware of the violence, but is told that one day they'll know what's happening. Before she leaves, the counsellor suggests they draw up a plan for the next time Perry hits her. Jane meets her suspected rapist and father to Ziggy. She watches him closely, uncertain until she smells him. She drops her purse and runs out after realising he's not the same man, then screams in frustration as she drives away at speed. We close with a montage of mums picking their kids up from school. 
Ziggy is at Chloe's for dinner and a sleepover. Celeste rushes to the airport with the twins to meet Perry off the plane. They kiss as they meet, and Jane is pulled over by the police for running a red light at high speed. We're at Madeline's, where she records Chloe and Ziggy's self-choreographed dance routine to Papa was a Rolling Stone. Tune. A quick cut sees Jane pulled by the police after a red light jumping incident. Nervous tension grips her face as the officer approaches and she glances down at her purse, which almost certainly hides her gun. She receives a ticket and, somewhat relieved, is allowed on her way. Later at Madeline, she tells her friend the truth that she travelled to confront the man suspected of being a rapist. Madeline blames herself for digging and asks Jane if she took her gun. Jane says no. She asks if there were other potential suspects unearthed after Madeline's Google search, but is advised to leave it and get on with a new life. Perry breaks the news to Celeste that he has another business trip and leaves in the morning. She reminds him that it's opening night for Madeline's play. He asks her to come to Phoenix with him instead of the premiere, but Celeste says no because Madeline would never speak to her again. Abigail reveals that she'll announce her secret project the next day. Nathan and Bonnie are excited to see what she's been up to. She also thanks them for arranging the dinner with Madeline and Ed, declaring it to be pretty cool. Madeline calls Celeste to fill her in on Jane's road trip. Celeste says she'll talk to Jane about it, but Madeline questions how Jane is supposed to relate to someone whose life is so perfect. An irritated Celeste explains that bad things happen to her too. Perry strolls in and begins to kiss her, asking what bad things have ever happened to her. Jane's asked to pop in to speak to Ziggy's teacher as she drops him off. She's told there's a petition going around calling for Ziggy to be suspended. A furious Jane storms from the classroom and straight into Renata and Gordon. She confronts Renata, suspecting she's behind the petition. Mockingly, Renata asks exactly what she's going to do, so Jane drops her with a punch to the eye. <laughs> At the coffee shop, Madeline's brought up to speed. She insists Ziggy's a popular child, and a lot of parents are pleased that she decked Renata. Jade admits she had the gun in her purse on a road trip and worries that she's losing grip on her sanity. She explains that she makes up stories to try and convince herself that Ziggy's dad is actually a decent guy. Celeste is back with the counsellor on her own. She talks about how Perry has been overly affectionate to her recently, explaining she gets the power for a time after he hurts her, but that when the bruises fade, a shift occurs. She's asked what it will take for her to leave. When he hurts the children? She recommends Celeste looks into getting an apartment away from Perry as a place to go should she need it. Celeste remains in a level of denial and questions the therapist's actions, but is told she also needs to begin documenting the abuse and share what is happening with a close friend, so if and when it goes to court, she has foundations to stand on. Celeste admits she hasn't told anyone because she thinks her self-worth is built upon how others see her. It's drilled home again the importance of telling someone about the abuse, because if she doesn't, the judge will wonder why not. Jane visits Renata to apologise for hitting her. Jane sympathises, believing she understands what Renata is going through as both their kids are being victimised. She mentions that Ziggy saw a psychologist who told her he was a sweet, kind boy. Renata admits that Amabella isn't saying it's Ziggy who's hurting her, and the two reach an understanding and some common ground to move forward from. Perry surprises Celeste by arriving home early from his business trip and makes the premiere of the play. Elsewhere, Ed presents Madeline with a bouquet as congratulations ahead of opening night. Ziggy asks why he can't go to the play, asking is it because the boy puppet puts his penis in the girl puppet, then telling a mildly shocked Jane that Chloe told him and it sounds icky. Mate, it is. Perry compliments Celeste on how she looks as they prepare to leave. He tries to instigate sex, but is pushed away as they have to go. No. Angry, Perry grabs Celeste from behind, but she pulls a nearby tennis racket and brings a swift backhand down on him hard between the legs and he crumbles to the floor in agony. Ouch, but yay. There's a standing ovation for the play. Although delighted, Madeline's also concerned about the lack of Celeste's presence. Tori, Joseph's wife, confronts Madeline afterwards, asking if she is the woman he's in love with and that she knows they had an affair 12 months earlier. On the way home, Celeste calls to apologise, explaining that they were at the emergency room as Nathan has a broken urethra. Ouch. Yay. Ed asks why Madeline and him don't have such wild sex. He talks about how couples reach a sexual plateau and that she doesn't like him touching her, suggesting the essence of some happy marriages is the ability to pretend. Madeline just walks away. Nathan's at home practising intensely on his Elvis karaoke performance with the sole objective of beating Ed's song to dust. 
Bonnie suggests they've got bigger problems to work on before explaining that Abigail's secret project is to auction off her virginity to raise money for Amnesty International. Blimey. Taken aback, Nathan hits the roof and storms off to confront his daughter. Back with Madeline and Ed, she asks if he thinks their marriage is pretend. He explains that they don't pretend to love each other, but that she pretends he's the one for her. She apologises for not being the best wife and begins to talk about a terrible mistake she made, namely the affair, but Ed stops her confession. Nathan is blowing his top about Abigail's now not-so-secret project. Things become heated as he takes a laptop, voices are raised, tempers are high, and then Skye, their youngest, there's another one, screams and brings them to an instant stop as Bonnie runs to comfort her daughter. Celeste and Perry return home from hospital. After the babysitter leaves, Perry tells Celeste she's lucky he didn't kill her. Jane is doing the birds and the bees bit with Ziggy. He asks where his dad is. Jane replies she doesn't know. The next morning, Celeste frantically scours the internet for apartments, finally acting on the advice from the counsellor. Nathan makes amends for losing his temper with his daughter and apologises, saying he's proud of her intentions, but she leaves for school. He blames the liberal Bonnie for this. Renata approaches Jane and suggests a play date for Amabella and Ziggy now that the two mums have rebuilt some bridges. Celeste visits an apartment overlooking the beach and asks if she can return later to spend some time alone in her potential new home. She wanders around seemingly lost in the reality of what's happening. Ed and Madeline arrive at Nathan and Bonnie's for the much-anticipated dinner date. Things are incredibly amiable as friendly small talk fills the air. A toast is made to none of them killing each other. Madeline asks when Abigail is joining them and talk turns to the secret project. Nathan awkwardly breaks the news of the auctioned virginity to Madeline and Ed. The pair think Nathan's joking. As it slowly dawns that this is actually real, Madeline suddenly comes over ill and projectile vomits all over the dinner and Bonnie. In between bouts of sickness, she finds time to berate Nathan over Abigail's plan. Celeste tells Perry she's off for dinner with Jane, leaving him at home with the twins. Madeline confronts Abigail. She tells her in no uncertain terms that her body should never be for sale and one day she'll look back and wonder what the hell she was thinking. Abigail asks her what it's like to be perfect, emotional and stressed. Madeline admits to her daughter that she cheated on Ed last year. She's asked if she still loves him and she nods. Celeste isn't with Jane at all. She's spending some alone time at the apartment. Jane's watching Ziggy dance to Papa was a rolling stone. Her delighted smile slowly drops she realises her son deserves the truth. We begin the season finale in the home of Celeste and Perry. As the twins play video games downstairs, Perry badly beats Celeste upstairs, climaxing in her curled up and gasping for breath on the floor. He tells her to get up, that she's fine and has just had the wind knocked out of her. She flinches as he goes to touch her, but is suddenly running for the door after hearing one of the boys heading up the stairs. Catching him before he can enter, Perry tells him Mummy isn't well and he's taking them to school. Celeste cowers as he walks back in. Perry, true to form, lies down with her, saying he's sorry and crying. Ed tells Madeline that Abigail hasn't launched her virginity auction site yet, so maybe what she'd said earlier had some impact. As Madeline leaves the house, she sees Tori, Joseph's wife, suddenly speed away in her car. Ed also sees from the window. Madeline confronts Joseph late that morning over Tori watching her. Unimpressed at her stance on the situation, he goes on the attack, suggesting she was in love with him and that she thinks she owns the town before kicking her out of his office. Celeste meets her therapist, alone again. She breaks down, then opens up that she got the apartment, and after one more appearance together at the school fundraiser that night, she's leaving him. The therapist makes a strong case for Celeste leaving immediately, but it falls on deaf ears and she walks out. Ziggy is pulling a classic too-ill-for-school routine on Jane. She takes his temperature, which is fine, then asks the reason he wants to miss it. The conversation moves on to Amabella. Jane quizzes him if he knows who's hurting her, but Ziggy's reluctant to give a name because he promised Amabella he wouldn't tell. When a class picture is shown as an alternative to naming names, Ziggy picks out Max, one of Celeste's twins. Jane breaks the news to Madeline over coffee and is urged to let Celeste know. They're interrupted by Gordon. He lets Jane know in crystal clear terms that he'll take a restraining order out if she harasses Renata again. Tom, the good-natured server, initiates hero mode and demands that Gordon not only desist from his verbal attack, but also leaves the shop, which he does. After the excitement, Tom tells Jane he's been waiting for a moment to impress her for a while. Jane's response is surprised that Tom's straight. Ouch. 
Celeste is at the apartment preparing the space for her and her boy's imminent escape from Perry. As she works, she flashes back to the latest attack and we see Perry land a solid punch to her stomach that bends her double, sending her to the floor. She weeps as the truth of her life with him hits home. A call from Jane comes through. Jane and Celeste meet and Celeste is told the truth about Max bullying Amabella. It also comes to light that Max has been aggressive with Skye, Bonnie's daughter. As Celeste drives home, she thinks about all the times that Max may have seen her being abused. She gets home and hugs him, asking him to be honest with her about Amabella. Madeline and Abigail talk about Joseph. She tells Abigail that she's searching for the courage to come clean to Ed about the affair. Abigail informs her Project Soul virginity is over and she'll instead find another way to help a good cause. At home, Celeste is showering before the party. Perry approaches and asks for a kiss. Celeste nervously obliges. Jane is dressed for the party when there's a knock at the door. It's Tom, a date for the evening. The Elvis and Audrey Hepburn event is underway. Madeline and Ed arrive at the same time as Nathan and Bonnie, Nathan immediately putting on a show for the gathered cameras. Celeste walks down the stairs at home and her boys say she looks beautiful. Perry enters dressed as Elvis, informing Celeste that she's just missed a call about the apartment. Playing it super cool in front of the kids, Celeste struggles to hide her shock. They keep up the pretense that everything is fine, leave the kids with the sitter and head out to the party. At the party, Madeline and Ed both notice Tori is casting lingering looks in their direction. In the car, Perry wants to know if Celeste was going to tell him. She says no. He reminds her he said he'd get help, but she says it's too late. Instead of stopping at the party, Perry puts his foot down and drives past. When they stop, Celeste informs him it was Max bullying Amabella. Perry locks her in the car and tells her they'll talk to him tomorrow. Celeste asks, will he say that men should never hit women, adding that if the twins haven't seen the violence, they've definitely heard it. He says he's going to change, that he knows he has his demons, but he's fighting them. Jane and Tom arrive at the party and join up with Madeline and Ed. Back in the car, Perry promises to do whatever it takes to save his marriage. She angrily declares that she should have left him a long time ago, saying she has to leave for the kids. Renata knocks on the window, and as Perry unlocks the door, Celeste bolts out. Ed hits the stage ready to do his best Elvis, but is distracted as he again notices Tori is looking over at Madeline. As the song begins, he delivers it with the voice of an angel, much to Nathan's utter despair. Madeline listens to her husband. She looks over to Joseph, becomes emotional and runs away in tears. Jane runs after her and when she catches up, Madeline tells her she cheated on Ed. Jane consoles her that everyone has made mistakes. Celeste runs into the party, frantically looking for Madeline. Renata asks if she's okay. She fills Renata in on the news that it was Max hurting Amabella. Perry watches from afar and worries that Celeste is spilling the beans on the abuse. When he catches Celeste, she says the conversation with Renata was nothing, heightening his paranoia. And with Nathan on stage, Bonnie sees friction between Celeste and Perry. God blimey. Celeste pushes him away and borrows a phone, calling the babysitter to tell her to get the children to the new apartment. Renata finds Madeline and Jane. There's a reconciliation between the trio as Renata apologises to Jane after hearing the truth from Celeste. Perry watches Celeste moving away from the party and follows her. Celeste finds the others. Bonnie begins to follow too. Perry's next on the scene, asking Celeste if he can talk to her, insisting that she come back to the car, but she declares she's not coming with him. As Jane listens, she becomes ashen-faced, frozen in shock and fear. She stares at Perry. Madeline notices. Jane flashes back to the fateful night. She runs along the beach and catches up to her attacker. As he turns around, we see Perry. Jane points her gun at him. Madeline and her stunned Celeste realise that Perry is the man who raped her. The penny slowly falls for Perry and he strides forward. We cut to blue lights. Celeste is in shock, bruises on her face as she's treated by a medic. Detectives arrive at the scene. We follow them and see Perry at the foot of the stairs impaled through the neck on a metal spike. Dead. The testimonies of the women are watched from behind glass and we don't hear what's being said. Then Celeste begins to describe an attack by Perry resulting in him falling. The detectives believe it's all lies but can't figure out why as it's a self-defence case without a custodial sentence if they just tell the truth. One detective tells the other to just let it go. We see everyone attend Perry's funeral. Then we're on a beach. Madeline, Celeste, Jane, Renata and Bonnie picnic as the children play around them. There are smiles and laughter. We flash back to the night. 
Perry charges forward, grabbing Celeste. The others pull him away, but he strikes his wife and continues to hit her as she lies on the floor, lashing wildly at everyone around him. Bonnie runs towards the fray and shoves Perry down the steps to his death. We close back on the beach. The women look out to the rolling sea together, seemingly in a new place of understanding, tightened by the bonds of friendship and their experience. As from a distance, someone watches them closely through binoculars. Uh-oh. Thanks for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Listen, if you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you subscribed. We've got loads more shows where this came from, and we'd love you to join us for them. A five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from would also be absolutely fantastic. If you've got any feedback or ideas for a show that we should be covering, we'll almost certainly be doing the big ones, but you never know. There may be others that we've missed. Let us know. I'd love to hear from you over on Twitter. You can find us at PreviousPodcast, or just email us hello at previouslyon.co.uk. Previously On is presented by Jamie East and is a Daft Doris production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.